Welcome to The Network Effects, a show about how innovators have turned their ideas into movements. Hosted by Zan Bennett and Daniel Avnieli. Hey everyone, welcome to The Network Effects. Today's guest is the founder, chairman, and CEO of Zeo Group, a global provider of communications infrastructure. As a founder of a business, he's led the company from startup to IPO to a company with multi-billion dollar equity value. Please welcome Dan Carso. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. And first, we wanted to acknowledge the unprecedented circumstances right now. Being the 31st of March amidst the global pandemic, many companies have struggled with their employees working from home. How, how have yourself and Zayo adapted to this? So by unprecedented circumstance, are you talking about the pronunciation of my name? Because it's Caruso. Caruso, I'm sorry. I do apologize. Oh, that's fine. So Dan Caruso. Uh, yeah, we're adapting to it really well. Uh, I'm proud of the team at Zayo, uh, we have a, uh, we're an infrastructure business, which means we have fiber networks and data centers all over US, Canada and Europe. So we have a lot of our teammates who need to work in the field, even during this virus. They're in, installing fiber, splicing it, uh, managing data centers, turning up service. And you know, as in pretty much any environment, bandwidth's very important, but it's even more so as more and more companies have migrated to a work from home environment. Unfortunately, our systems infrastructure and data infrastructure is almost entirely on software as a service platforms, which has made it very seamless to transition from people going into the office to people working from home. So we've almost done it without really any adjustment period. It just kind of happened. Wow, that's really amazing. I mean, I know I've heard about a lot of other companies that haven't been as fortunate, but it's really awesome that you guys were able to transition. So uh, I'm sure it wasn't easy, but seamlessly. Well, you know, yeah, we are fortunate as Zale, given our business model is adaptable to this type of circumstance and many business models just aren't. It's, it's uh, you know, I feel for those businesses that you know, are, are reliant on a lot of foot traffic, restaurants, uh, I really feel for the first line responders and healthcare record workers who not only you know, are working hard during this crisis, but they're exposing themselves and their families to the health crisis itself. And you know, and I also think we have to reflect on you know, the circumstances in the U.S. are minor relative to what other parts of the world are going to go to both during the virus, but also in the aftermath of the virus. So we have a whole bunch of things to feel thankful for. Totally. How has this affected your leadership style and the communication with your employees? Has been working through Zoom something that um, has been easy to do, or is it something that there's been a, a learning curve for, with? Uh, fortunately, we were heavy Zoom users before this crisis began, so uh, and we're also heavy users of Chatter, which is uh, uh, collaboration within Salesforce, and we're heavy users of Boxer, which is a way of communicating uh, through kind of voice memos uh, that are more conversational. So uh, we, we almost have bred into our culture kind of the tools that uh, that are make us very mobile anyways. So that part hasn't really been much of an adaptation. It's more when you reflect that at like 80% of your employees plus are not coming into an office. And, and that's just such a different environment. Um, in the short term, uh, I think people are focused and it had it has an effect and maybe even enhanced our productivity a little bit, but I wow. don't think that's the right answer for the medium or long term because I think social interaction in person with people you work with 
is very important to building a culture and building collaboration and, and innovating. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, for, for all the students out there right now who are worried about the job market, um, how has a Zayo, like on the short list of companies, like how have they affected how you're hiring and recruiting new uh, talent? Yeah, one of the, one of the, we did a few things right out of the gate. Uh, one is we uh, certainly we dealt with the health and wellness aspects as well as the emergency request for service. So that we dealt with right away uh, through kind of uh, our security folks and our people, ops folks. But what we also did uh, very early on is form a group, uh, a dedicated team, a program management team to deal with the aftermath of the crisis. So the and really the economic aftermath, the the world that's going to emerge coming out of this is not the same as the world that entered it. Mm -hmm. uh, even a year from now or two years from now, it's always going to be different. Uh, this is going to scar people for the rest of their careers. They're always going to remember how how uh, incredible the economy was and how abruptly the rug got pulled out from under them and behaviors are going to change. Uh, and I want to make sure we're thinking three steps ahead and you know, we immediately put a halt to all use of recruiters because you know, people aren't going to be leaving companies and it's going to be a lot easier to attract talent. Uh, we also uh, you know, believe in being very transparent with employees. I don't think Zayo is going to have to go through material force reduction. I think we will in little bits here and there, but but more that's more what we were going to do anyways, post being going private. But I think the quality of employees that we can attract uh, is going to go up. So for the same amount you would pay someone, you get a more capable person just because of the tightness in the job market. So, for example, we want to do a more thorough review of the resumes associated with the people that we're hiring and the compensation that's being offered with the directive being you should get a lot more quality for every dollar you spend going forward than you got in the past. And we want to help our employees realize how, how gigantic of a change this is going to be. So it's not about... Well, I'm offered the same type of person 5% less. It's like you should get a much higher quality person relative to the role you're trying to fill uh, for a compensation level that's uh, adjusted for the environment that is going to be going forward. Yeah, that's really amazing. I mean, as a capitalist, you want to be able to have an even uh, starting ground for as many people as you can. So allowing this to create like the best to shine kind of thing is uh, kind of maybe a good thing throughout all this mayhem. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be rough on people. I mean, there's no, you know, there's nothing good about a higher unemployment rate. Certainly, if the unemployment rate is higher, you could attract better talent, your labor costs go down. But, you know, so you have to, you know, you have to look at that silver lining from a business perspective, but from a, from a civic perspective and a community perspective, I loved when there was low unemployment, and I'd love to see that wages were rising and people had jobs available to them. And, career growth was in front of them. And, you know, even in that environment, the strongest people took most advantage of it. Uh, I think it's more that um, the, the less strong people, maybe the less ambitious, the less hardworking, uh, they were able to get by in the other environment. They're going to realize that you know, this is a much harder environment to get by on. All of a sudden, you know, you're the low person on the totem pole because you know, you're just, you know, you're not as much of a contributor as others. And if you don't maintain your position. You can't just say, oh, no big deal. You know, everyone else is hired too. You're, you're facing with, you know, very difficult economic circumstance. So yeah. uh, that's not a good thing for anyone in my very strong opinion. 
but it is the reality that everyone has to face. Totally. You mentioned that you know you have some plans that are going out maybe two or three years into uh, what the aftermath of what's going to happen after this pandemic. I'm curious on if that plan has been changing and if it's been dynamic over the last couple of weeks or if you've been kind of staying course seeing this happen um, all over the world as, as it has. No, at the, the two or three year plan I'm talking about is what we're, is a plan that's associated with the reality of, of the you know, post-corona, post-coronavirus. So uh, like, let me give you like a really easy example. Uh, we should see a permanent reduction of about 50% in travel. You know, even long after this virus comes and goes, I think what we're going to learn as a society is you can travel a lot less and, and be more productive. So it's not a matter of let's cut the travel budget during this crisis. It's, yeah, you know, let's cut it 90% right now, maybe even more than that, you know, because everyone's staying at home. But when we come out of this, let's not return anywhere close to where we were before. Let's just cut it in half, and that you know, has to be more than sufficient for us to be productive. It's a simple example, but it's it's kind of uh, you know, a good illustration of it's a permanent change in how we think about kind of operating a business. Yeah, and being a company that's completely uh, structured on the internet and how heavily used the internet is now during this pandemic, everyone's just sitting at home, <clears throat> excuse me, and and watching Netflix or playing games or doing whatever with their time. Um, how how are you guys responding to the increase in traffic, and how is your uh, consumer base responding to maybe changing some of the ways they used to do business? Yeah, no, we're definitely seeing heavy growth in bandwidth. Uh, on the very first weekend that this hit, I'm getting escalations from the CEO of Zoom itself saying, Dan, you know, we're going to need a bunch more bandwidth, and we need it quick. You, know, <laughs> so you guys can be able to respond. And, and my team, uh, you know, that was a Saturday morning. My team was already on it, to be fair, because they already had conversations on Friday. That was Saturday morning by Late on Sunday, we had already augmented most of their key routes and you know, were able to prepare them for the traffic growth they had going into that, that first big week. Wow. And there's been you know, countless examples of that type that our team have been working on uh, with healthcare, with education, uh, with financial companies, certainly with communication companies. And uh, you know, so that's a good thing. You know, it's certainly a good thing. Yeah. You mentioned before how the, the people that uh, might have been applying to the company before are going to be held to a different standard than they have in the past. I'm wondering if there's any specific skills that you think are very applicable to the hires that you're going to be looking for in, in the near term. Yeah, I, I mean, think about the environment that we're describing here. It's people are real comfortable with, with, uh, with social media type tools, people who are used to being in that world. Uh, people who uh, can operate, not just operate remotely, but operate very effectively and efficiently remotely. So I think that the, you know, the newer generation is, that's just normal course for them. It's like, yeah, of course, you know, that's how we live our lives. Uh, so I think you know, people who haven't adapted to that environment, and we still see people who are like, you know what, I don't do that kind of stuff. That's, you know, my kids do it. You know, I, I, I don't do Facebook at home. I'm not going to do something that looks like Facebook at work or you know, gosh, this, you know, video conferencing is so complex. Those kind of people are going to be, you know, they're going to need to adapt and they're going to need to adapt very quickly because if not, they're going to be left behind. So I'm a big believer on being very uh, candid in situations like this because you want to give people every chance to 
uh, to be able to fend for themselves in a difficult environment. And if you sugarcoat or you, uh, you don't uh, communicate often and clearly, you're putting your own people at a disadvantage. And uh, I'd rather uh, give them every uh, opportunity to get a head start and say, okay, what do I really need to do to be effective in this environment? Yeah. Uh, this is a little bit more of an abstract question, but I'm just curious on if you could talk to yourself maybe a month ago, is there anything specific that you tell yourself to prepare for what has been going on? Or is it just such mayhem that there's nothing you could have really done to prepare for this? Yeah, you know what? I uh, I had two big preparations for this. Uh, one was the tech crash in 2001, which I was couldn't have been more in the middle of. So I saw what the world looked like when Everything was hunky-dory at one point in time and then immediately shifted. Uh, you know, the the 9-11 happened during that time frame, but 9-11 wasn't the cause, but it was maybe the, the, the explanation point about how suddenly uh, the world changed. Uh, so I saw that, and then uh, and, and we made a lot of mistakes in that one. I mean, that one, I could give you 20 things we should have done differently uh, as, you know, at the time that was uh, uh, MF, that was level three. Uh, the next time was early in the Zale days is when the 2008-2009 financial crisis hit. And that one we were much more prepared for because of our prior experience. This time, you know, I got to be honest with you that, you know, this one is, it feels a little bit like, you know, we saw this coming. You know, we, we uh, uh, the, the market was so heated up for the last few years that, you know, personally I, you know, I was preparing for it by getting a lot of my, you know, investment sitting in very liquid forms. Uh, and from a Zales standpoint, we actually agreed to sell the company about eight or nine months ago. And it, you know, and part of it was kind of the feeling that, you know, we're living on, we as a, as an economic environment are living on borrowed time. We've been running hot for multiple years. At some point there's going to be a big correction. You know, none of us would have thought it was going to be virus related, but most people you know, in the business world were like, sooner or later there's going to be a correction and the higher it goes, the harder it's going to fall. So selling the company kind of solidified our exit. And then we raced, the lucky part was we, we raced dead about a month ago, right before the crisis hit. So we feel very prepared. We were in a strong cash position. Uh, we're cash flow positive. Uh, we're, uh, our business model was durable. So we feel like we're in really good shape. Amazing. Part of it through pure luck. You know, the death <laughs> part, pure luck. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of things have lined up to be beneficial in a situation that's been tough for a lot of different companies. Is there anything particular that you are concerned about going forward? Well, you know, I, I wear multiple different hats, you know, so uh, I'm very active in the community and I'm very concerned for kind of the community at large because I think this is going to be a very difficult period. Uh, I think other parts of the world, uh, Europe, I think is gonna, this is going to be a huge setback for Europe. I don't obviously know that for certain, but it feels like Europe uh, was on shaky ground, and this is this is going to really set them back. And then I think countries that have very large populations of very congested, uh, such as uh, India, is a, is a prime example. Yeah, you know, I I can't even imagine you know how they're going to protect their people from what the virus might do as it runs through kind of those type of uh, kind of communities. So uh, that's a big part of it. Uh, yeah, look, I've uh, uh, five kids in their 20s and this is the first time they're going to have to deal with kind of the economic environment that isn't all you know rosy and 
in some ways that's good because that's going to be a you know a great learning experience about what the flip side of you know of the economic environment does to kind of opportunity uh, but it's also going to create kind of a headwind for them as they get, as they get their careers launched yeah, Dan, well, we just wanted to say uh, thank you so much. We know your time is very valuable, and we really appreciate you coming and talking to us and to our audience. So just wanted to say thank you for this. Absolutely. Appreciate what you guys are doing. Look forward to hearing it. Yeah, have a great day. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to The Network Effects. If you want to check out more about today's guests or other exclusive content, go to thenetworkeffects.com. There you can follow all of our social medias and sign up for our mailing list.